Hey guys, Jeff here. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Shazam cast. This time I'm bringing on my buddy to talk with me about the Shazam film because I wanted to hear from someone who doesn't have such a lengthy uh, track record with the character of Captain Marvel and prior experience with what's become of him in this world of uh, Shazam. And what you're going to find is that we have a free-ranging conversation about Shazam, the broader DCEU, and all sorts of stuff in between. I just wanted to get started here by giving you a heads up that this is a broad spectrum conversation, and I trust that you'll enjoy it. So enough for me doing the pre-intro. Let's get started on this episode of the Shazam cast. Shazam! 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 Hey guys, and welcome to the Shazam Cast, Earth's mightiest Captain Marvel podcast. I'm your regular host, Jeff, and today we have a special treat. We have stand up comedian. Actor, all around, all world talent, Derek Zuwash Kiani in the studio to talk about uh, Shazam. We've we've done one review uh, where I went all super nerd on the film, <laughs> and so now I thought I'd bring in uh, bring in some talent that had maybe a more balanced and objective perspective on the film. So Derek Zu, thanks for joining in. How you doing, man? Hey, man, good to be here. Long time caller, first time listener. So it's uh, it's good to be. It's good to be in the Shazam cast. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. So, guys, if you don't know, uh, Derek and I have a horror movie review podcast called Saw Something Scary. And so we, um, we're we used to talking about movies, but this is the first time I've had him on to talk about the first ever Captain Marvel movie of my, lap, my lifetime. I said Captain Marvel movie, Shazam movie of my lifetime. Yeah, uh, can I go ahead and hit a hot take real quick? Yeah, man, lay it on. Shazam greater than Captain Marvel. Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to fight to the death now. So No, 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 no. I'm talking about movie-wise. Shazam. Shazam greater than Captain Marvel. So, like, greater than the 1940s cereal? No, sir. Like a cereal as far as, like, Fruit Loops? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty talk- much. I'm right. talking, like, th- this movie, Shazam, with Zachary Levi, is greater than the Captain Marvel movie with Brie Larson. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, see, so there has been so much drama around the other Captain Marvel movie, yeah. that one, yeah. that I didn't want to... St- I haven't said anything about it one way or the other, because I don't want to be one of those trolls who's like... Right. You know, fight the power or yeah. whatever. Well, you know what? I am... You never have to have me back on the show. So. Yeah, I don't think you're doing that. I just I've been so gun shy about it. Yeah. So you like this one better than I, I really did, man. Yeah. I, I, just from the standpoint of I can't remember the last time I had as much fun in a movie than with Shazam. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm with you on that. I, you and I have talked off air that this is you know hashtag not my Captain Marvel. Like this is not right. the classic character that I actually love. Yeah. And it's based on source material from Jeff Johns that I think is just hot garbage. But what I told my listeners on my first review is that this is the best possible adaptation of that bad material. And I think what you're talking about there is what led me to that conclusion. Yeah. It's impossible, even though I have frustrations about the material, it's impossible not to enjoy the ride there. So, well, let's just jump into it then. Yeah, let's let's hit it. Um, this is the first thing I've ever seen Zachary Levi in that didn't involve Thor. Okay. And he was sort of a bit player for the Thor universe. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're not watching uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel with your wife? No. Christy, okay. my wife is watching that. She's way into it. But she started watching it when I wasn't home gotcha. as like a, a filler and I never caught up. And I didn't watch 
watch Chuck. So did you watch Chuck? Man, I saw episodes sporadically. I wasn't like a follower of Chuck. Yeah. Um, I know that John Krasinski looked enough like Chuck that they wanted him to dress up like him in one of the episodes of The Office to like do a cohabitation. Is that what it's called? That's what it's called on the Shazam cast. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm very tired. <laughs> Drink more Miller Gillis. At a, at a 48-hour marathon WrestleMania session yesterday, so. <laughs> yeah, I heard so those things go three days now. They do. They do. Um, hey, how weird is it that we live in a world where Chuck and Jim Halpern are both action stars? Yeah, man. And and we almost came close to a universe where Chuck is Shazam, or you're Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. and Jim Halpert was Captain America. Yeah. Like, I mean, how weird, dude. Dang close to happening. Sitcom geeks. Are we? I mean, apparently Sheldon and, and some of those guys yeah. from Big Bang are going to take over like the second wave of Marvel if this trend continues. Right. And uh, what? Every man, Andy, uh, I will say Andy Garcia. <laughs> Bernard? Yeah, no, not Andy Bernard. Come on, man. Drink more Mellow Yellow. Andy uh, from Parks and Rec. What's his last name? Oh, for real. We've already got yeah. Chris I mean, Pratt. Yeah, Chris Pratt just, I mean, metamorphosized from, you know, Andy. Oh, I'm so upset. Andy Dwyer. There it is. There you go. From the guy who fell in the modern hole. day chubby everyman Andy Dwyer to top leading man in Hollywood. So, I mean, really, right now, we're living in the golden age, Jeff, right? Yeah, it's just weird that sitcom sitcom geekery is the gateway to action franchise stardom. Yeah, that's what I need. I need to be a sitcom geek. <laughs> <laughs> get, get Derek's casting agent on yeah. on the phone here. Need to be a flubby everyman for a few years, and then I mean I think I'm doing it right now with Skeeter. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, so guys, uh, if you're in the Branson, Missouri area, he's the best reason to go to the new. Uh, it's not the Dixie Stampede. It's no, the, sir, it's Dolly Parton Stampede. Dolly Parton Stampede. Yeah, you, you ain't see Dolly Parton get loose and stampede. She'll trample somebody. Um, right. But anyway, you can see Derek there's the MC and Skeeter. Yeah, man. There you go. Well, so Zachary Levi, I thought he was incredible. Yeah. Um, we talked about this on our Sauce Up to Scary podcast when we reviewed uh, Mike Flanagan's Haunting of Hill House, mm-hmm. where Henry Thomas and the other guy playing the dad, like older dad, younger dad, mm-hmm. really made you feel like they were the same person. Yeah. And I felt like Zachary Levi and Asher Angel pulled that off quite a bit here in this movie. The it, it's a little bit less than what Henry Thomas and what's his name pulled off because I think that I think Timothy that Levi Hutton. Timothy Hutton, thank you. It feels like it feels like Zachary Levi was sometimes more childish as Shazam. I say childish, childlike. Yeah. I, mean, I mean the charming version. Saying. Yeah, but he was almost more childlike than Asher Angel. Uh, do you agree with that? Or you think yeah, like, I think I think that's a good point of view. But I also kind of feel like that that's just Zachary Levi. Yeah, like he's a puppy dog. Yeah, right. So the way I've been working this out in my head is that Asher Angel is this kid who's been pushed towards like hardening his heart. Mm-hmm. But when he gets into the Shazam persona, he gets to go back to being more of a kid and like it's a fresh reset, right? Yeah. Literally no one can hurt him so he can just turn loose and be a goofball. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's actually a really accurate description of it. Okay, well that'll be our headcanon then. We've yeah. we've just decided here. Uh, I don't know anything about Asher Angel other than he was involved in Mickey Mouse stuff, which I'm assuming you're not familiar with either. No, sir, I'm not. Uh, I do want to say, though, that Asher Angel is the perfect name for somebody that's going to be in a superhero movie. Isn't it? Like, Isn't it, though? So we were having dinner after church uh, yesterday, and someone mentioned that there's, uh, in my community, there's a doctor here whose name is Dr. Justice. <sighs> 
Can you imagine? If your name is Dr. Justice, you have to wear a cape everywhere you go. Yeah. And I feel like Asher Angel should be his sidekick. Yeah. Superhero name department. Those guys have it made. And any time that the villain gets the upper hand or like he has to defeat the villain, his catchphrase is, your prescription is pain. Oh, it rides itself. This is your this is your vehicle, man. This, this is, is it. Is- I'm going to be Dr. Justice. Cut the check. <laughs> You're welcome, Hollywood. <laughs> now, so Zachary Levi. Call Kevin Feige. Let's get him on the phone. Phase two. Yeah. Uh, Zachary Levi, don't know much about personally, but you said you watched him in Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, so he he has a supporting role in the second season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, And like I said, I did see a few sporadic episodes of Chuck. There's actually a really good, this is going to kill my credibility with your fan base, but there's a really good like Hallmark movie that he was in. Maybe not a Hallmark movie, but a Hallmark-esque movie that he was in. I forget the name of it now, but I I thought he did a fantastic job in it. I think I've never seen Zachary Levi do a bad job in anything he's done. Oh, okay. Okay. Is he playing um, a more serious character? character in Maisel? Yeah, so uh, I hate to spoil Mrs. Maisel for anybody, but in the Just give me the broad strokes. Okay, well, he's he's her love interest in the second season. Okay. That's the best way to put it. But he does a really good job and he's more subdued. He still has that boyish charm to him, but he's more like, he's more mature, he's more subdued than what you're seeing, obviously what you're seeing in, in Shazam, but in anything else I've ever seen him in, yeah. too. So. so you would say he has legit chops, like the guy can act yeah, and, and go different places. Yeah, yeah. Okay. not just a pretty face. Well, we uh, you know, we kind of handled Asher Angel there pretty quickly. Awesome name. Don't know much about him. I, I know who we do know something about, and that would be Jack Dylan Glazer. Oh, man. That kid. I... <sighs> I, I wish he were an orphan. I would adopt him. <laughs> well, I mean, all we have to do is take his parents out. Did I say that on the podcast? <laughs> all right. So we hire a clown to kill his parents. I'm going to edit all that. That's probably smart. That, that shouldn't be on the record. Yeah, it's probably not a good idea. Um, Especially if something <laughs> happened to his parents. Yeah, wouldn't that be terrible? Yeah. So I, I didn't realize how central he would be to this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he is playing a guy who actually existed all the way back in the 1940s. Captain, oh, okay. Yeah, it was, he he became Captain Marvel Jr. And a lot of the same stuff is true of him uh, in the original continuity as in this movie. Okay. Except that he was basically the only sidekick. Billy's sister Mary becomes Mary Marvel. Freddy becomes Captain Marvel Jr. And that's it. There's no super-powered Brat Pack. Okay. Um, but he's super important. And at one point, he was like... <laughs> super important. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I didn't catch that. He, uh, I think he outsold every other comic property, Captain Marvel Jr. No kidding. Yeah, and he's he's basically the reason we have Superboy. Wow. They went and plucked the idea to bring Superboy in. So I knew that he was an important character. Right. But I didn't realize that he would basically have the second most screen time. Okay. But having seen the movie, it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, we met him with Muschietti's It, right? Mm-hmm. Had you seen him before that? Not too my re- not to my recollection. Yeah, I, me either. Um, and, and we, of course, reviewed that on Saw Something Scary, and we were over the moon about the performances of the children. Um, the comedic turn with Freddie Freeman, and then also like the... Um, the emotional depth. I mean, I don't want to get too pretentious, but this guy goes across the emotional spectrum pretty far in this film. It makes me think that now what I saw in Muschietti's It was him being, I don't want to say saddled, but like they had him on a governor. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to have seen him turned loose a little bit more. Yeah. There he played a kid who was under his mom's thumb. Yeah. But I, I would have liked to see more of this personality that came out through here. And it's crazy to me now seeing the chops that he has in this movie, going back to It and seeing how um, 
I mean, stifled is probably the, the right word, but just they didn't give that character enough, <clears throat> excuse me, they didn't give that character enough screen time or, or enough reason to, like, dive deep into what's going on. Like, he has that one big scene with by the house, right, where mm-hmm. he meets the leper. Um, and then there's another big scene towards the end where, like, he breaks his arm. Yeah. And that's really about it for that kid. Uh, no pun intended. And... Yeah, so I'm with you, man. Watching this, I was like, man, as as much as we enjoyed it, it's still sad that, like, this kid couldn't be turned up a little bit more. Because I think if, if he put the persona that he has here with Freddy into that character, I mean, it's... I mean, it's almost identical, right? Yeah. I mean, they're really kind of dealing with the same stuff, except for it, it's all psychosomatic. Mm-hmm. So. It's a different kind of heroism that that kid has to show, too, in It. Yeah. But I, it's interesting, for those of you who don't know, It, um, there's a character who, you know, the storyline breaks down. You, you meet these kids. They fight this evil entity. Then they come back as adults and fight an evil entity. And there is a character in there who grows up to be a comedian. And in in the 2017 uh, adaptation, it was played by Finn Wolfhard. He plays Richie Tozer. I totally believe that Jack Dylan Glazer could have been a great Richie Tozer. Yeah. He's got a natural comedic delivery. Yeah. You know? And, and that's no shame. That's no slight to Finn Wolfhard. I thought he did really well. Right. It's just wild to know that You've got, you know, maybe a better version in the cast yeah. sitting right there. Yeah, and you know, what's crazy is I, going into this movie, or, or when the movie started, I remember that you and I had talked about um, Grazer being in this, and as he was going through, I kept trying to think, like, which kid he was in It. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I kept thinking he was Richie. Oh, okay. Until about halfway through the movie, and I was like, oh, no, no, Finn Wolfhard's Richie, and this kid was, what's the, what's the... He was Eddie. Eddie. There Eddie, it is. the the sickly. Yeah, the the much syndrome. Yes, kid. exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, man, I completely agree with you on that. This kid has uh, really good comedic chops, and he has what kind of blew me away the most was the chemistry that he had with not only Zachary Levi but also um, Angel Asher. <laughs> That's what we'll call him if he ever, you know, if he passes away during a lifetime. He'll yeah. stop being Asher Angel. He's yeah. Angel Asher. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Also another great superhero name. That's true. That's true. I, and, I, you know, to harken back to what we were saying earlier, Angel and Levi really pulled off uh, really pulled off making you believe they were the same person. Yeah. And I guess Glazer is the mechanism, or at least one of the ways that enhances that sense, right? Like, right. He helps you believe it's the same person. Um, the only other casting thing, I didn't think there was any real weakness in the cast. I didn't think that Asher Angel had much to do. But did you recognize Grace Fulton? Um, from our previous podcast. Grace Fulton. And that name sounds familiar. She played in one of Sandberg's previous movies that we were both a fan That's of. That's right, Annabelle. Yeah, she was in Annabelle Creation. She played one of the older girls in the group home, I guess. Also a reference to what would eventually come about in Shazam. Yeah. Uh, she played Carol. And uh, becomes Mary Bromfeld, Mary Marvel in in this film. Any well, oh, sorry. The only other point I've got to just bring up in front of you. Did uh, did you get your socks charmed off by Darla? Oh my goodness, man! That little girl. When she any emotion that she felt, I felt. <laughs> She's like the voodoo doll emotionally. Like, I mean, it movie. was just she manipulated me to no end. Like again, it was one of those things where like I just wanted to take her home. Yeah, if you're actually an orphan, I'll adopt you. Yeah, standing offer. Yeah. Darla. And anyone that knows me knows I don't want children, but I would adopt that child <laughs> in a heartbeat and give yeah. her whatever she needed. Well, when we uh, when we covered Annabelle Creation on, uh, or, or maybe 
when we just talked about Shazam as news on our other podcast. I saw something scary. Um, I said that Sandberg did a really good job in Annabelle creation, getting great performances out of children. Mm -hmm. And, man, that held true here. Yeah. Um, yeah, the whole uh, misfit squad of the orphanage or the uh, foster home, I yeah. guess is a better word for it. I thought all those guys did great. Yeah, there wasn't a weak link. Again, some had more to do, some had yeah. less to do, but there was no weak links. Yeah, yeah, some some didn't have as much screen time. But I think that that was smart because they were able to maximize the minutes that they had. Yeah. And it made for more memorable performances. Like, no one overstayed their welcome in the movie. Yes, and they all kind of had a seminal thing. Yeah. Like, we were like, I remember distinctly they did X, Y, Z. Yeah. yeah. And they all were fully fleshed characters, even if they only had maybe like 15 minutes of screen time. Like, I thought it was really well done in that, you know, in that way, because I think with ch- uh, children and with child actors, it's difficult to pull those kinds of performances out of them. Again, I mean, I mm-hmm. feel like we're, we're kind of circling around what we were talking about with Annabelle Creation, but, um, you know, it's, it's difficult to, to not only get those performances out of kids, but also to write fully fleshed uh, child characters when you're, uh, you know, I, I assume Sandberg around our age, maybe a little bit older. I think he may be a little bit older. I was listening to an interview with him, and he said that he got his start making movies in an odd way. He made that Lights Out short, Uh and the studio was like, let's make a full feature. So he's like, I went from doing YouTube stuff to a motion picture, you know, back by studio, and they ramp you up to Annabelle, then they ramp you up to um, this movie, to Mm -hmm. Shazam. But he said that in that in-between point, trying to get work, people would be like, well, you're too old to be a newcomer, but you don't have enough experience to be like an established guy, so we don't know what to do with you. And it made me think he might be a couple years older than we thought. Also, Swedish. Yeah. Didn't know that. Now I did know that. Okay. Um... I feel like I had a point on that. Oh, yeah. So um, what I was trying to say on that is it, a little bit older than us, more than likely. It's difficult to write from a child's perspective when you're a 30 to 40 year old. Mm-hmm, for or, sure. Or 30 to 40 year old period. And know? not sound hackneyed. Exactly. And, yeah. and not try to be like stereotypical and stuff like that. And I thought he, I don't know if he was the writer on this or not, but uh, whoever was did a bang up job with these with these kids. Well, this interview I heard on the drive over here this morning on uh, the Ringer's Big Picture podcast, mm-hmm. he actually, just in passing, said that uh, Jack Dylan Glazer is a great uh, improviser. Okay. And it made me wonder if some of the stuff we saw was him improvising. So, uh, David David F. Sandberg was born on January the 21st, 1981. Oh, okay. So, he's not quite as uh, out of my league as I thought. So, um, I say out of my league, like I'm trying to date him. <laughs> He's not quite that much older than me than, than I would have thought. Feel free to put the prices white, <laughs> prices right, loser horn right there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's married to Lotsa or whatever that he works with in his movie. So, um, Lotsa, lot. Well, he says it different because he's Swedish. That that teddy bear from Toy Story three. Mm, I mean, she may be a teddy bear to her man. Oh, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know this woman. Lotta Lotson. There you go. Lotta Lostin. Lotta Lozenge. I don't know. <laughs> That's his wife. Okay. Um, well, I, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about acting here, and I think that's important. But really what I want to pick your brain on is what it's like to be not a Captain Marvel super fan mm-hmm. coming into this. So there's, the big question is, how did big as a superhero work? Because that's the point of controversy with, like, fans of Captain Marvel versus Shazam. Mm-hmm. But before we get there, um, were you surprised how scary this movie was? Yes. 
I, I was kind of taken aback because I want to take my kids to see it. Mm-hmm. And from from the moment that uh, Savannah has that doctor he's working with, she touches the magic door. Mm-hmm. I think just her turning to ash would brighten my youngest son, who's yeah. like six. Yeah, And then... Those freaking seven deadly sins, I think, would give him nightmares for a long time. Yeah. Um, was that a was that an enhancement or a takeaway from a kid's superhero movie for you? Like, is it too scary for what it's trying to do, or does that help it? So, okay, well, that's a that's a great question, and I'm going to try to answer it to the best of my abilities from two different perspectives because I think I'm the only person in my friend group that doesn't have kids. Okay. So I've been asked the question a lot, hey, should I take my yes. child to this movie? And originally, I was like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal because, again, you and I... I watch scary movies every week. Mm -hmm. It's part of our job. It's what we do. So it comes to a point where I'm like, ah! That wasn't too bad. Right. You know? Now, I did get freaked out by the doctor turning to Ash at the door. I was like, oh, Indiana Jones flashbacks. What's going on? Yeah, for sure. Uh, But the Seven seven Deadly Sins didn't bother me as much because, I guess, for me, I was like, oh, that's pretty good uh, CGI. But Mm -hmm. like, the best CGI. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So... Originally, when people started asking me about it, I was like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Don't worry. You should be okay. Like, the, I think the thing that I told one of my friends was, well, there's a scene outside of a strip club because men are disgusting, and that's yeah. what anybody would do if they a 13-year-old boy got turned into a man. That's automatically where they would go. And I left it at that. And then the more I started thinking about it, because then, um, you know, I got I got asked, well, could, you know, would you take your nephew to it? And I was like, no, I don't think so, because yeah. he's five. Yeah. Right? And I was right. like, no, nah, I think there'd be a couple things in there that he would be scared with. So, yeah, it, it does surprise me that a movie that is a superhero movie that's obviously marketed towards uh, kids and uh, adults with childlike tendencies... <laughs> Um, that it would have that much, like, terror in it. Um, even, you know, if you think about it, like, one of the scariest parts of the whole movie is where, um, what's Mark Strong's character? Savannah. Savannah. Where he where he chucks his brother out the window. Yeah, yeah. And that was another thing where I was like, oh, didn't see that coming. For real. What's going on? I Calm love- down, Kane. <laughs> <laughs> Not his brother's keeper. So I I read a couple of interviews where Sandberg said it, it's a, it's a good thing to work in horror to come over to uh, super mo- superhero yeah. movies, and I get that because like I want my superhero to fight a significant threat. Sure, you know what I mean. You need it to be a real threat. Yeah, and, and then when good does triumph over evil, if it's really evil, that just makes that more cathartic at the end. Of yeah, it. exactly. Great point. So I get where he's coming from. But I don't think I'm taking my six-year-old to see this. I, yeah. He was over the moon excited about it. We've got, like, Captain Marvel figures up in his room and stuff. And uh, what, I've, what I've talked to him about, it's like, son, I don't think it'd be good for you to watch it yet. But I may take you if you agree that I can just put my hands over your eyes at any point without you fussing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, there's the, the woman turning to ash. Mm-hmm. There's um, the scene you talk about where he chucks the guy out the window. Mm-hmm. But then after that, he turns greed loose on his dad. Mm-hmm. And you don't just see like the thing stalk over to him like he knocks him over hops on top of him starts pummeling him uh, and then the strip club thing so I've got my um, my youngest son starts kindergarten next year chopping at the bit to read
read, but like can't do a lot of reading yet. Yeah. We decided to start him a, a year later. And then I've got an older son who's 10. Well, he can read. And normally, I, you know, we're there opening day, but I don't want him reading Gentleman Club mm-hmm. and being like, Dad, why is that funny? Yeah. He just has no reference to that stuff. Right. And if I've got any criticism of this movie, it's that it, it does seem to like lure the child to it. Because every kid wants to think about saying a magic word and becoming Superman. That's the charm of the the conceit. Right. But there's stuff in there that I think conscientious parents, I'm not trying to be elitist. I'm just saying, like, there's certain things I want my kids to meet at certain developmentally appropriate phases. Sure. Um, conscientious parents are going to be like, I, eh, I don't know. Uh, now, as an adult, I thought it was great, yeah. you know, but I, I do wonder if it's going to scandalize not just some kids, but like some soccer moms who are, you know, trying to catch a moment's quiet by going to take their kid to the theater yeah. one afternoon. And, and I hate to be like Tipper Gore yeah, in this situation, sure. you know, but like it does seem like this movie is aimed at our demographic, right? Yeah. Uh, 18 to 30 year old males. But you hit the nail on the head when you said that, like, who doesn't want to be a 13 year old kid or even younger than than that and say a magic word and then all of a sudden you're empowered with all of Superman's abilities. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the that's the dream, right? Absolutely. Hey, as a 33-year-old man, that's still the dream. Sure. Right? Sure. Uh, so... Yeah, it, it's it's a little leery. Uh, if you've got younger kids, it's a little leery uh, on the scary side. But then also the Gentleman's Club thing, I was like, that's funny for me. That's a Shrek thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where, like, I'm going to get it. But if I'm sitting there with my nephew and he's like, hey, Uncle D, what's a Gentleman's Club? That's not a conversation I want to have ever. Exactly. You know? Exactly. As a dad, I'm contractually obligated to have that conversation. Right. But, yeah, in your shoes, I'm like, I, I have no idea, man. Yeah. Uh, ask your mom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ask your dad. Yeah. Here's 20 bucks. I'll see you next time around. <laughs> yeah. Love you, buddy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I think we're both agreed that like surprisingly scary. I'm not sure what that means for the audience, but don't take away from it as an adult anyway. No, no, not at all. And I think, you know, I, I tweeted this out after I watched the movie, like fly to the movie theaters to watch this movie because really for people our age and, and, you know, skewing a little bit younger, anyone that's over the age of 18, I think this movie is a fantastic escape and just a real fun ride at the movies. And uh, I do want to ask you this. Do you think it was a little long or do you think it was just right? Well, as a guy who never saw a Captain Marvel or a close proximity, uh, I never thought I would live to see the day when that property was adapted into a big screen movie. And as someone who didn't like the source material it was based on, Mm -hmm. I went in with low expectations. So once this movie caught me, I would have stayed for three hours. Um, So I'm probably not the I'm probably not the person to ask that question to because I was seeing my childhood dreams lived out. It felt like the first time I saw the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. And I was just like, I can't believe I get to live in this world, you know. Um, But I'll ask you a similar question. What did, did do you know anything about the worm, uh, the caterpillar creature? No. Okay. I must. I I would like to know if you thought it was too long, and if the cat specifically if the caterpillar stuff being left in was intriguing to you. If you're like, or if you're like, what the frig is this talking caterpillar doing? So okay, uh, I, me personally, I did not think that it was too long. Yeah, uh, it was two hours and twelve minutes, I believe. But as someone, I too went in with low expectations, uh, mainly because I, I, I don't want to put the blame on you for this, but you didn't seem too excited about mm. it. And knowing your love affair for the character, I was like, oh, if Jeff's not that excited about it, then this movie's probably not going to be that good. 
uh, I got more excited about it the closer we got because um, my friend went to like an early screening of the movie and said, dude, it's a lot of fun. You're going to really enjoy it. So. Well, and all it seemed like all the reviews were right there. I think I probably read headlines at least, maybe a hundred, because I'm subscribed to some news sources that sure. funnel me this stuff. And um, I probably read a hundred headlines being like, this is awesome. Yeah. And I probably saw three that had anything even slightly negative to say. Anyway, so yeah. just to, like the buildup was was strong for yeah. this. Uh, but but I did have lower expectations, and, and partly because, uh, not just because, you know, you weren't really that hyped about it, but also because it's a DCEU movie. Sure. And anything not named Wonder Woman has had low expectations for my part. Yeah. And, and mostly failed those low expectations. Real quick. Aquaman, were you in or out? Dude, I thought it was too long. Did you? Okay. Yeah, okay. and and that's one of those things where that might be on me. Like, um, so you're talking about I watched that movie a day after driving from Branson, Missouri to Tennessee, being on TV, hashtag humble brag, and doing a show. And then I got up the next day and then driving. Okay, so drove from Branson, Missouri to Knoxville, Tennessee, did all that, drove to Chattanooga, uh, got maybe like three or four hours of sleep, had lunch with some friends, and I was like, oh, I got some time to kill. I'll go watch Aquaman. Yeah. And I said that movie theater and I was just like Oh, like I, I don't get up to pee during movies. I got up to pee like three times during that movie. Yeah. Because I was just like, okay. Well, we, why are we Indiana Jones and Aquaman? Like, why are you in the... De- your whole thing is you're in the sea. What are we doing with this arid land? Like, what we... What you try, Like, I was just waiting on Boris Karloff to pop up as the mummy. Uh-huh. You know, or uh-huh. Brendan Fraser. <laughs> or, you know, like... He's available, by yeah, the way. I know, right? Or, or, you know, maybe this is how Dewey Johnson gets into the DCEU he just pops up as the Scorpion King <laughs> and then magically transfers into Black Adam I didn't know uh, so yeah I and I don't think that's a movie I'll go back and revisit like Jason Momoa is a very captivating actor and I thought he did a wonderful job in that movie um, I, I thought that the acting in that movie uh, Dolph Lundgren aside was really good but just too long yeah yeah I, I don't have I don't have enough time in my day to spend two and a half hours watching a dude talk to fish Oh my gosh, the Aquaman fans out here are going to come with their pitchforks. That's fine. At Derek Zoo. D E R I K Z O O. At me. I'll be happy to discuss it. Yeah. And and you know what? Convince me to watch it again. Yeah. Because uh, we were doing, we had three show days at the Stampede uh, during spring break in March. So for like three weeks straight, we were doing three shows a day. And we usually do uh, the shows an hour and a half, and then we have an hour break, and then an hour and a half break. And so during one of those weeks, a buddy, mind brought in Aquaman to watch. And he's like, hey man, I got this Aquaman. I was like, yeah, I'm going to read this book, but you let me know what you think about it. And he loved it. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably, I think I'm more enthusiastic about it than you were. Yeah. But it's because I was so desperate for a, um, a lighthearted DC movie. Sure. So I, I probably had a little bit of a uh, rose tinged glasses on. Yeah. And, and, and I totally think that it was probably my perspective going into it. I was like, well, I've got a few hours to kill. I've been wanting to see this movie. Let's go in. It wasn't like, hey, Aquaman time. It was, ah, I got nothing better to do. I'm meeting a buddy of mine at like seven. Mm-hmm. I'll watch this movie. And during it, I was just like, okay. Let's, stuck in purgatory. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I'm probably the wrong person to talk to about Aquaman. But, um, yeah, I just. But coming back to the question about Shazam's runtime. Yeah, I, I thought it was fine. Because, yeah. again, low expectations. But I enjoyed this movie so much. And I wanted to stay. 
stay in this world longer. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I think a lot of it was because I fell in love with those those kids, like those kid sure. characters, and I was just like, man, I want to see, I want to see what happens with these kids. And and it, the biggest smile was on my face when uh, Shazam finally comes to lunch with Freddy, yeah. and the rest of the kids are sitting at the table. I was just like, yes, this is awesome. This is the way to do it. And that's another thing where like we talked about. Men are savages. So at like thirteen, fourteen, we don't have our full brain yet. Right. We would totally go buy beer and hit up a you know yeah, strip club or whatever. Um, that's the other thing you would do for your boy once you got your head on straight, right? You'd yeah. show up at school and be like, "You pick on him again. I'm breaking everything you have." Right. And he's the coolest kid in the school now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that was super charming. And, and you know what? That would have worked for me. That would have worked for me just as well if there hadn't been the Superman cameo. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's cool they put that in there. Yeah. But like we, you know, we we hear that maybe Henry. Cavill's not going to be Superman anymore. And that breaks my heart. And, like, that was almost a reminder of, like, they can't show Henry Cavill's face. I would have been just cool going out with Shazam having lunch. Yeah. Yeah. I I was really... I don't know. I don't know if I felt like that was overkill or not, but just the fact that it was just from the neck up, or excuse me, from the neck down, I was like, "Oh, come on, man!" Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. if you just put Cavill with his mustache on, that'd be <laughs> that'd be okay. <laughs> so the the caterpillar did that intrigue you, or were you like, "Okay, we this is this is now a bridge too far"? So there were a lot of audible, "What the fuck is that?" Yeah, in your in the theater. In the theater, um, which also, by the way, let me just say this: I went to the Alamo Draft House for the first. Oh, I'm so envious. That's the best movie theater I've ever been in in my entire life. Dude, we have to open one here. I agree. We have to. Is it like Chick-fil-A where you got to put like 10, 10 grand down? I'm sure. But well, I'm happy to do it. We will take all the ownership in our hometown. Absolutely. Uh, the viewership in our hometown. Yeah. I mean, that thing is amazing. And I just, I you know, I always heard good things about it. Uh, mutual friend of ours, Mike D., uh, you know, he's told me all the time, he's like, Alamo Draft House is the best. And yeah. I finally got around to going, and now I'm like, I don't know if I'll, and it's like 20 minutes away from my house. Where I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever go to another theater. It's just perfect dynamic. Yeah, I had a really good, um, I had a good audience. Nobody was like talking to the screen mm-hmm. through, but you just, you're subject to that stuff. Stuff, and it can either make or break the the experience. And so I'm always thinking, like, can I get a prestige theater? Yeah. Um, now, my my theater was, it was the same showing I saw uh, Marvel's Captain Marvel at. Mm-hmm. And it was a big, sh- it was like a full house when um, when I saw Captain Marvel. But this was even fuller. Okay. And, I, you know, that's no indicator necessarily of success. But it was so much fuller. It was noticeable. And I thought, well, you know, I kind of live in... Middle America, you know what I mean? Maybe Middle America is going to turn out for this movie. And I think it turned out to be the case. I think it made like 60 million opening weekend. Oh, that's so, fantastic. Yeah, and 100, 159 internationally factored in. So it's doing, it, I think it's going to end up making bank for Warner Brothers. Yeah. And I bet that means we're going to get more of we're gonna franchise this bad boy the brighter, yeah. you know. But I, 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 I keep leading us away. So that that worm character is Mister Mind. Okay, and he is super important to the established like Captain Marvel universe. Okay, but I did wonder for somebody who wasn't like super into Captain Marvel if that would be. Yeah, we've <laughs> we found the the border, and now we've taken two steps beyond. You know. Okay, so for me, it wasn't a big deal because I've also watched four movies with a talking stick. Fair point. So, fair point. By this point, I'm like, ah, I'm down for whatever. These are superhero movies. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. Sure. You know I mean, like, there's a talking raccoon and a, and a talking stick, and I guess what three movies? Four? Yeah, three, four movies now that they the Guardians yeah. have been in. Yeah. So by this point. 
point. I mean, take me on the ride. Right. Okay. You know? uh, I am sorely disappointed that Black Adam didn't make an appearance. Yeah. You know, the closest we got to him was that little uh, magic viewer in mm-hmm. the cave where it shows the previous champion. Yeah. I wish they would have made that look more like Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. You know, we should have seen some more facial features. Yeah. Did you know Dwayne was an executive producer on this movie? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. I did see him, like, congratulating people. Or, no, he said thanks yeah. to fans. So I assumed he might. I guess he's probably done the Downey thing and, like, give me a few points and I'll be in that franchise, oh, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I guess Seven Bucks Entertainment was a was a producer on the on the movie because, like, he and Danny Garcia and Hiram Garcia, which are all, like, the big Seven Bucks people, they were all producers. And I think, okay. I think Dwayne himself got an executive producer credit on it. So. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, good for him. I, I mean, I'm so ready to see that Black Adam movie. Oh, man, me too. And I've I'm, been chomping at the bit for, like, ten years for Dwayne Johnson in his own superhero franchise. So that's one of the small criticisms I have with this movie. Um, in in the classic continuity, Savannah is much more of a Lex Luthor type figure, okay. only ahead of Lex Luthor. But his whole thing is like, I science is better than magic, and my intellect will defeat this muscle-bound big red cheese. Okay. Right? They turned him here into the dark version of Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. So Marvel's the champion of the Council of Wizards. Uh, there's seven of them. Savannah's the champion of the Seven Deadly Sins. Are the Seven Deadly Sins, are they pertinent to the comic book? Yeah, so all of that okay. scene of like Billy coming to the cave through through a subway car, all of that is classic. Okay. Um, but with Savannah, I'm like, well, we you just made him like a, a, a lesser version of Black Adam. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I want to see the dark inverse of Captain Marvel in Black Adam, not Savannah. Like, let Savannah figure out how to use tech and whatnot to come after him. I, I don't think it'll diminish Dwayne Johnson, but I just wish they had left that yeah. dark inverse of Cap- of Shazam for uh, Black Adam. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I I mean, again, as somebody who has no prior knowledge of the comic, just, I mean, stuff I've read on Wikipedia uh, since the fact. Yeah. I was I was curious to see what Savannah's role was in the in the story and stuff. And so, yeah, that I, I would rather, I, I agree with you, I'd rather seen like a man of science versus a man of faith mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of like the inverse. Yeah. Um, I did love the John Glover cameo, though, as his father. Yes. But I'm a John Glover fan from way back in the day. I mean, that's the third superhero franchise I've seen him in and I, I love him every time he shows up. Yeah. So. What are the other two? Uh, he was in Batman and Robin. He was oh. the he was the scientist that kills Pamela Ivy. That's Isley. right. Right, And then she comes back and kills him and he's just over the top uh-huh. in that movie. You know, he's like, fortunately I don't handle rejection well so now you have to die. And he just <laughs> pushes her in and, you know, it's it's always funny. We reviewed that on Sauce of the Scary because it is a horrible, horrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, I, I always reference, when I talk about Batman and Robin, I always reference that John Glover said that Joel Schumacher just ran around on set going, bigger, bigger, this is a live-action cartoon or like a live-action toy commercial or mm-hmm. one or the other. And so I just always I always think of that when I think of John Glover. So he was in that. He was Lionel Luther in Smallville. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, um, you know, now he's in Chasm. So. Uh, any other thoughts as a guy who just came into this fairly cold? I mean, I know that you played off a little bit of my thoughts on it, but right. by and large, this is first introduction. Yeah, um, I, I mean, to me, I walked out of the I walked out of the movie theater going, I can't wait to watch this movie again. Yeah, 
And I watch a lot of movies, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we're doing a podcast about, you know, movies. We have mm-hmm. a podcast about movies. So I watch a lot of movies in general, and there's not too many anymore. Maybe it's just the snob in me coming out, but there's not too many anymore where I'm like, you know what? I'll own that movie. Or you know what? I'd like to I'd like to put $20 down again to watch this movie in theaters. But I would, honestly, if I had the time, I'd go watch it today. Yeah. Just, I really had a ball in the movie. I didn't know what to expect. Just hoped that Zachary Levi would, you know, be enough to bank me on this. Honestly, didn't know Mark Strong was in it until he popped up in in the movie. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess I just didn't really pay that much attention to, like, the bad guy. Sure. In the trailers and stuff. And so, when Mark Strong came in, I was like, oh, Mark Strong. Okay, here we go. And, uh... uh just a fun fact. Yeah. There's a couple articles out there you might Google where he's like, no, 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 Green Lantern wasn't that bad. <laughs> You're like, oh, come on, Mark. <laughs> You're finally sweet. in a winnable franchise here, pal. You don't have yeah. to keep defending that one. Yeah. I mean, Deadpool killed Ryan Reynolds in the second Deadpool movie for it. Yeah. So, um, but, but anyway, I digress. Um, yeah, man, I had a, I had a blast in this movie and would absolutely encourage anybody to go see it. And again, I'll say that I thought it was, for me, it was a more fun experience to watch this movie than it was Captain Marvel. Yeah. Because it almost seemed like the inverse. Like, Captain Marvel almost seems like it's taking itself too seriously. That's so well said, man. And, and, and I think, and I understand it, because there's a lot of pressure on that franchise with Brie Larson mm-hmm. and with it being, like, the female-driven franchise for Marvel. And, and you know, and, and, and thank God that we live in a day and age where, like, girls can see these heroes wins and be like, hey, maybe that could be me one day, sure. right? Sure. I'm all for that, man. And, you know, the same thing with Black Panther, with people of color and stuff, like it it, it swells my heart to see other people have a chance to, to have heroes that look like them and talk like them and act like them sure. instead of being whitewashed with everything else. Okay. Right? But to that extent, it did feel like it was just taking itself a little too seriously. This movie is like, hey, it's a superhero movie. We're going to have fun. Get your Coke, get your popcorn, settle in. It's going to be two hours of laughs. We're going to tug on your heartstrings. We're going to tell a decent story. And then we're going to send you on your way. We're going to send you on your way with a little caterpillar in your head going, <laughs> maybe this is what happens in the second one. Yeah. So I, I loved it. Well, great. I, I think you've made such a great point there. I, th- I think that Captain Marvel... Kind of the message to the audience was, behold me. Mm-hmm. Behold how basically tough and awesome this woman is, which is fine. Yeah. That's what they need from that character. And, and also, let me just say this. I loved Captain Marvel. I loved it mm-hmm. more than you did. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was a really good movie. Uh, but if you're if you're just going to base on how much fun I had in the movie theater mm-hmm. and stuff, and man, it, Shazam blows it away. Yeah. So Shazam kind of comes along and says, we're going to have a great time. Come with us. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's what, that's what won, won me over. I mean, I... I've got real beef with the source material. Yeah. But it's just hard not to love these guys. Captain Marvel feels like... Captain Marvel feels like you're going to a TED Talk with your parents. Shazam feels like you're going on a day drinking bender with your favorite uncle. <laughs> Perfect metaphor, sir. Like, Perfect metaphor. Like, get in the truck. We're going to go skip school and have fun, right? Right. Right. Uh, just a couple things before we wrap up here, because I can't keep you all day. Um, did you feel like this was kind of making fun of superhero movies? Uh, 
you know, I I don't know if I'd say making fun, but I think that there's a certain amount of wink, wink, hey, this is ridiculous yeah. that goes along with any superhero, right? Like, Batman is my favorite superhero above and beyond, but when you look at it, it's a dude in a, in a rubber suit fighting a clown. Yeah. And if you can't, like, <laughs> wink, wink on that, you know? Uh-huh. And so, for me, I... I Although, like, you and I would both say, like, the Nolan films are some of our most favorite films ever. 100%. The yeah. Dark Knight is my favorite film of all time. Yeah. I mean, you know. So uh, we're in for the serious stuff. Yeah. You just have to have like a, you have to have an objective position on it and say, eh, it's a, it's a guy dressed up like Dracula beating up exactly. criminals. You know, and that's the thing, like Bette Midler is getting some, uh, some uh, pullback right now because I guess she said like superhero movies are terrible because they're not like Oscar material and, and they're not, they're, they're Wakanda forever. Yeah. Their scripts aren't well done. They don't have good dialogue and things like that. To which Wasn't I'm like, she in that witch movie? I was about to Hocus say, Pocus? Um, hey, watch yourself, alright? Hocus Pocus is one of the greatest Halloween movies of all time. <laughs> no, no, uh, I'll, I'll be quiet. I'll super kick you through this window. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the pot calling the kettle black, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I, there has to be a certain amount of self-awareness. And so, for me, I don't think it's a satire as much as it is, like, we're self-aware AF mm-hmm. of what we are, and we're going to lean into it more than anybody else, with the exception of maybe Deadpool. Sure. sure. And yeah, so I had read headlines early on that said that Shazam is DC's Deadpool. And I was like, that's ridiculous. This is a kid's movie. It's a yeah. kid, you know. But now I get what they were saying, Yeah, that it's, it's a Meta commentary when um, when Captain uh, when Shazam and Savannah are floating above Philadelphia, and Savannah's monologuing, mm-hmm. and Shazam's like, I, "What are you? Your lips are moving. I can't hear you. I'm a mile away." Uh, it is Deadpoolish. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's a good that's a great point there. Uh, two other questions. Uh, actually, let's do it this way. Okay. Scale of one to five. Jeff's interpretation is at five credible, mm-hmm. at one a product of his ridiculous bias. Okay. Okay. So there's a time when Savannah is chasing Shazam through a mall, mm-hmm. and they crash through the wall into a toy store, mm-hmm. and uh, Shazam picks up a Batman doll and throws it and says, "Kill him!" Right. Mm-hmm. That is Sandberg making a joke out of everybody being upset that Zack Snyder had Batman kill. Okay, I was under the impression that he said, get him, Batman. Okay. Uh, I, I like your version of it better, especially if it's him needling Zack Snyder. Yes, Cause, me too. Because suck it, Zack Snyder. <laughs> yes. Hopefully, here, here, we'll get the audio of this. Slap hands. Yes. Hopefully, I can say it on uh, your podcast. Did you see that Snyder came out and, and told fans? I don't even want to talk about it. Get over it, Batman yeah. will kill. No. Go away, Zack. Yeah. We don't ever need to see you anywhere near superhero yeah. again, buddy. Yeah. You anyway. know what? I'm sorry about your daughter. Yeah, 100%. Um, but take this as a time to better yourself yep. and stay away from things that I love. Yeah. You can have he, uh, you can not Heath Ledger, I'm sorry. That uh, was almost uh, blasphemous. You can have Jared Leto and you guys can go make weird art house projects with each other. Mm-hmm. But yeah. leave the rest of us alone. <laughs> yeah, leave the memories alone. Um, so, yeah, if, if that's the case, if he did say killing Batman, then I'd go four okay. on that. But I'm pretty sure that I'd even I've even seen like small video snippets online where they've got obviously they've got subtitles on it and if he says get him Batman he goes I'm Batman yeah. so okay well when I make my fan edit for my kids to watch sure. where I take out like the strip club and yeah. that stuff my fan edit will have him say kill him Batman yeah. and it'll be a shot at Snyder and then the Batman doll will say suck it Snyder there we go yeah. from, I'll take the audio from this 
interview. Um, the other one is when uh, the little boy is watching the battle out his apartment window. And, you know, we see him like he's got Batman versus Superman. They're fighting each other. Mm-hmm. So sort of similar theory reference to Batman versus Superman, Donna Justice. Um, he's watching those two fight, and then he sees Shazam and drops them. Is that Sandberg saying, you don't need these characters because you got my guy? You know, I did feel like that this was kind of the, I don't know if coming of age is the right term, but almost his crowning of like, hey, it's not, this DC EU isn't just Batman and Superman anymore. You've got a third guy that you can watch. Yeah. And so I don't necessarily think he was trying to like hi-hat those two characters, but just like, hey, put this guy in contention. Yeah. Because he's got all the powers of Superman. And he doesn't have the God complex. That Zack Snyder imposed upon Superman. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what I would prefer here. Here's what I'm hoping. I hope Shazam makes all the money in the world, mm-hmm. even though that probably means this version that I don't care for as much gets concretized mm-hmm. as who Shazam and Captain Marvel is. I hope that this thing makes all the money. Warner Brothers looks at it and says, we do need a Superman who would go hang out with Shazam at a kid's school for lunch, right? Instead of like brooding moodily over flood victims, Mm -hmm. that would be the best possible outcome. And and specifically that, that Superman should be Henry Cavill because that's who Henry Cavill wants to play Superman as anyway. Yeah. And yeah, I want a Superman who just says like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Not, why don't they love me? Yeah. Or do I love them? Yeah. Mom? Yeah. And then the mom being like, you don't owe them anything. Yeah. Yeah. You All know. the problems. Meanwhile, Uncle Ben's getting his rice shot out of him in New York telling Peter with great power comes great responsibility. Uh, yeah. And it turns out people really like the classic characterization. Well, surprise, surprise, Zach. Weird how that works out. Hey, let me let me flip the script and ask you a question. Okay. Um, and I assume that your, your listeners will, will be okay with us going down this rabbit trail. In a perfect world... How would you do the Shazam movie? Well, the thing that I would do, I would. Have you looked at the IMDb page for this? I have, yeah. So I can't say his name because I'm Southern and stupid. But the guy who plays the wizard. Oh yeah, um, the Kimba Matumbo. Yes, him. He's listed as Shazam, right? And then Zachary Levi is listed as like the champion Shazam. Okay. And the problem with this character, as he's currently written, is he can't say his own name. So he shows up and saves you. You've never met him before. You're like, thanks, man. Who do I tell? Who do I tell the press save me? Jaimon Hansu is his well name. done. Well done. Um, so if Captain Marvel flies in and saves you, you can't look at him and say, "What's your name?" and him answer, "Captain Marvel." Mm-hmm. If he says, if Shazam says Shazam, all of a sudden. And there's a 13-year-old boy, 14-year-old boy sitting in front of you. They could have seen this coming because back in the day with Captain Marvel Jr., mm-hmm. he got his powers by saying Captain Marvel. So he could never say his name, right? I don't like that being ported over to Shazam. Okay. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. So I would take that element away. I would just say we're, we're billing this as the power of Shazam, like they did with the comics for so long, and his name is Captain Marvel. I think comic book fans are smart enough to be able to tell Carol Danvers from Billy Batson. Sure. In the same way, they're smart enough to be able to tell Peter Parker from Miles Morales. Right. And call both of them Spider-Man. Yeah. So I would, I would fix the naming problem. 
Um, I would not do the whole family get superpowers. Yeah, that that was a little contrived to me. I feel like it kind of washes out what's yeah. special about Shazam. But um, just to let you know that my superpowers aren't just for um, horror movies. I saw that. So, guys, place. what you need to know is that Derek can predict every element of a, of a, of a plot of a horror movie two days before he sees the movie. That's true. Uh, I saw that coming as soon as he said the ten or the seven chairs. Yeah, gotcha. When he was like, my seven brothers and sisters. I was like, oh, that's, Everybody where, the, that's where the kids are going. Yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised you saw that. So I would probably, I would have Mary, towards the end of the movie, realize that she can say Shazam and get power. Mm-hmm. And then, like, my mid credit scene would be Freddie figuring that out. Okay. And the other guys would be, like, supporting characters. Okay. You know, uh, they would help ground the two super, or the three super-powered figures. And then, my real problem with this movie, which you may say sucks the charm out of it, I don't believe so, but it's a, you know, it, it's open to interpretation. One of his powers is that he gets the wisdom of Solomon. They okay. even mention this in the movie. Yeah. So, you know, the, I actually believe it's history. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but um, the mythology around him, Solomon, is that he's the wisest man of all time, supernaturally so, right? And um, if you're a 14 year old boy and somebody dumps the mind of the wisest man of all time in your head, you're going to be a different person. You finally understand what Song of Solomon was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And you blush. No. Um, Can you blush? <laughs> you, you don't you don't go to the strip club. Right. Makes sense. Right. You yeah. don't... Um, I mean, maybe you do go try beer. I don't know. I, you know, that's a charming scene. But you don't go to the strip club. You don't spend all your time trying to get people to pay you for selfies. Right. You're... You're a different character. Yeah. And actually, that's what I liked about the original uh, movie so much, is or the original characterization, is that Billy Batson and Captain Marvel almost worked as partners. They were like Batman and Robin, only only one of them could be there at one time. Mm-hmm. So I would have something like that. Shazam would not be, it would not be big with superpowers. Yeah. It, there would be continuity. Like, I think you could do some fun stuff where Freddie Freeman, because he was always like, he was the same guy in his superpowered phase. So you could do some of the same charming comedic stuff with him. But then I would have Captain Marvel as a mentor figure. And I would do stuff like, I mean, maybe not this specifically, but if Captain Marvel ends up in a strip club or he gets knocked through the wall into one. He covers his eyes so that when he checks out, Billy doesn't have these memories. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? Like where he's protecting the younger guy. Mm-hmm. I would do something like that. Okay. And it it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the movie that we got, you know, and if, if people fall in love with the movie we got, they're going to hate that. Yeah. Uh, and I get it. But I like the movie we got. I think there could be even a better version. Maybe. Yeah. Because you could do a bunch of that stuff with just Freddie Freeman figuring out his powers in the sequel, you know. Anyway, that's my answer. Any pushback on that? No, not at all. I think I think that's right. But you would you would want to um, you'd want to move it back to the original context of the characterization, right? Like you'd want to get away from Shazam and put it more into it, like a Captain Marvel spin. Yeah, Captain Marvel would be you know his characterization would be more Captain America, mm-hmm. and then the the um the alter ego is the one that gets into hijinks. Gotcha. And then he shows up when something that the kid can't handle. Yeah. But I probably won't ever live to see that movie. I have to go back and check it out. I, w- I will tell you this. 
and maybe this is my last negative point because I really do want to I want to enjoy this movie along with everybody else. Sure. But there is a great comic book series called First Thunder. Okay. Where <clears throat> Clark Kent is writing a story on Billy Batson who's living as a homeless kid. Okay. And like trying to be a positive mentor and you know. Well, eventually, they get involved in a super caper that Captain Marvel and Superman have to deal with. And at the very end of the series, Billy decides to show Superman that Captain Marvel is actually a kid. And it's a really powerful. It's probably the best part of the whole book. Mm. They're out in this snowy landscape, and Captain Marvel standing in front of Superman. He says, Shazam, and he turns into a kid. And then you get a panel that's just tied on Superman's face, and he scowls, and he said, who did this to you? And he goes to chew out the wizard, basically. Oh, wow. And this movie can be lighthearted enough. We don't ever get there. Mm-hmm. But there is a version of the way that this thing is made now where it's like handing a kid a forty five caliber pistol. Right. If you're just putting a 14-year-old into the body of a god mm-hmm. with those bullies, what if he decides it's time to really show them what's up and he doesn't just crush the truck? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's almost Brightburn, yeah. which what you know yeah. what we're looking forward to coming. They didn't go there. I don't think you necessarily have to, but it leaves the door open to something like that. Sure. And uh, I think the classic characterization prevents some of that. Yeah. I thought that it was... I thought they showed really good restraint when Freddy, grown-up Freddy, superhero Freddy, however you want to call it, saves the bullies um, and doesn't do anything crazy to them besides the suitcase wedgies. Yeah, yeah. I was really happy about that because I was like, man, something good. I mean, like even like sets them down and then punches them or, you know, anything to make you go, ah, oh, you could have done without that. Yeah, six minute car makes it a, a wedge they can't get out of or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was I was happy about that. But yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, uh, again, going back to the with great power comes great responsibility. You you really could have you really could look at, at putting those powers into a 13 year old boy, like giving a shot sharp object to Jack the Ripper, you know, and so I'm glad that they didn't go through that. Yeah, Um, and and you don't have to. I'm just saying that if you're going to think through these narratives, that's adoption. Yeah. You know, Billy has a bad day uh, hormonally. Yeah. And all of a sudden, his school doesn't exist anymore. You know what I mean? So, I didn't mean to interrupt you, though. I just... I don't think Jeff Johns, is, who's the guy who wrote the new 52 story that this is based on, mm-hmm. I don't think he cares enough about the character or knows it well enough to, um, and I actually don't think he's a good enough storyteller mm-hmm. to kind of account for all those things the way that better storytellers before him did. Okay. And so he just took a very simplistic concept, the same one that undergirds this movie that everybody loves. I, you know, I want to own that. And he's like, wouldn't it be cool if a kid got superpowers? Yeah, man, it would be. But there's got to be some checks on what a kid would act like with yeah. that much power. Is this what? drove you to not like Jeff Johns was the way he handled the Captain Marvel character. Yeah, and then Jeff Johns was like hand-in-hand with Zack Snyder because Jeff Johns was over DC editorial and was working with Snyder to create these other movies. And I was like, all right, that is three strikes, man. You know, I've seen what you've done with Shazam. I've seen what you've done with Batman. I've seen what you've done with Superman. I'm entirely out. Yeah. And he's writing right now. uh, He's got four issues out on the new Shazam series. Mm -hmm. And I hope to review them in a later episode but it's just the same deal. The guy's just not a good enough storyteller. Mm. And uh, I just hate seeing him kind of like mangle this character I really love. Yeah. It got really dark. I enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed this movie much more than I thought I would. I am going to say there's a better version out there, but what we got, um, maybe this is the best way to end end the episode. 
out of the DCEU movies, where does this one rank? Uh, one or two, depending on how you feel about Wonder Woman, yeah. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. For me, I would go Shazam, Wonder Woman, then I'm probably going to go Aquaman, Justice League, because I like Justice League more than everybody else does, because you kind of get a little bit yeah. of the actual Superman we should have had all along at the end of it. I would flip-flop three and four on that. Yeah. I enjoyed Justice League more than I enjoyed Aquaman. Okay. Yeah. I do think this pretends maybe better things for DC in the future. I hope so, man. You know, I know that a lot of people have trouble with um, how much the Marvel Cinematic Universe relies on comedy. Mm-hmm. But again, I think that we've already justified that like there has to be a self-awareness to these movies. And if you're just trying to be all like, I'm dark and gritty and everything's gray and blah, da, 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 da. well, that's not fun. Because yeah. you can look outside your window and see stuff like that. Or I can watch a war movie. Yeah. I can watch uh, true crime. Right. I can get that a million different ways. But I'm just Superheroes saying, are supposed to be escapist in exactly, some way. Exactly. And, and and a lot of those movies that you know that the DCEU came out with originally, Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman, um, those things they felt too they felt too realistic, you know, like with Nolan's Superman. Well, I, yes, but let me push on that just a little bit. Okay. Nolan's felt really realistic to me. the The Superman and Batman ones felt like realistic if you only think the world is full of morally compromised people. Sure, if you've never met a, like a genuinely good-hearted do-gooder who's almost maybe naively a good person, then you make Dawn of Justice. But if you realize there are people out there who are really trying to do good and they're just as realistic as evildoers, mm-hmm. you make a more balanced movie. So anyway, I don't mean to tell you you're wrong. I do think this is aimed at realism or the stuff Snyder was doing is aimed at realism, but the bleakest possible version, which isn't actually in the end of the day all that realistic. But also nihilism realism? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But what I was going to say is that... No, even Nolan's Batman felt like it was at times tongue in cheek, mm-hmm. right? Like there was those moments of levity, and you just didn't get those moments of levity in Man of Steel or mm-hmm. Dawn of Justice, or um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess Suicide Squad, but that was just a turd. You just didn't get anything of value. Yeah. In Squad. yeah. Um, so it's nice to see them. It's nice to see them go with a more like, hey, we know this is a dude. You know, we know this is a kid who's getting superpowers, and he turns into a guy in a big red suit. So let's have some fun with it. One hundred percent. So for me, as an adult who reads comic books, I'm all about adult comic book readers. I'm not all about adult comic book readers who think comics should only be written for adults. Sure. Like, we all got into it basically as kids. Mm -hmm. And if that's not you, okay, you're the exception to the rule, but you also prove it. Yeah. Um, Don't forget that, like, kids want to read about escapism and good guys beating bad guys. Like, everything can't be the Punisher. Right. And I'm glad that this movie doesn't try to do that, that it just kind of revels in. It would be super cool to be able to fly and be super strong and help people out. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, another thing, it's nice that he didn't let um, Savannah die. Sure. Because he could have. Yep. Makes him different, right? Like, I mean, that was the whole Batman thing. Like, if you start him killing, he's no different from the Joker or whatever. Yeah. Uh, there should be something of a higher moral quality to the heroes, and I'm glad they preserved it. Mm-hmm. Well, well said. Yeah. Anything else on this, Sue? You've, you've been very generous with your time. Oh, no, man. I've had fun. Um, no, like I said, if you haven't seen this movie, uh, number one, you shouldn't have listened to this before watching the movie, because... Uh, there's a lot of spoilers, but um, 
I think this movie requires multiple viewings. And I think, you know, I haven't, I've only seen it once, but I imagine that I'm going to have just as much fun watching it if I get to go to the movies and watch it or if I have to wait till it comes out on, on digital or Blu-ray to, to You think this it. is a buy for you? Absolutely. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. That's pretty high praise. I'll probably buy it too. And, you know, I'll, like, half my brain will be like, cool, and then half my brain will be like, darn government. Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing, man. When Doc Justice gets underway and I have control over the comic book universe, then I'll just tear you loose and you can just make your own Captain Marvel movie. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. You heard it here, folks. Uh, we'll call it the Marvelous Captain Marvel. <laughs> and we'll still have Zachary Levi star in it. There we go. It'll be wonderful. All right. Well, that sounds like a plan. Get at us, Hollywood. Yeah. Um, Cut so, the check. Guys, this has been Derek Zoo sitting in on the Shazam cast, and you really got to track this guy down. So um, you got to track him down as a comedian, uh, social commentator, a guy who will help you uh, live the life you want to live. Derek, uh, where can people find you on social media? No, man, everything's at Derek Zoo, D-R-I-K-Z-O-O. And you can find out uh, tour dates and upcoming events at DerekZoo.com. So check it out. See when he's coming to your area. You uh, you won't regret catching some Derek Zoo comedy and stand-up. Um, you can catch him at Branson, Missouri right now working for Dolly Parton. Yep. And uh, you, you're working on a forthcoming book, right, my friend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're hoping to have that out late spring, early summer. Uh, motivational autobiographical book. And so really looking forward to finally getting that thing out there. I've been working on it for about a year and a half now. And uh, it's been pushed back a couple times. Finally got it in the hands of some really good editors and I think we've got a good feel on it. so. And they can find out about that, too, at DerekZoo.com. Yes, sir. Again, that is D-E-R-I-K-Z-O-O.com. Y'all get that Derek out there and, and send him some love for uh, for coming on the Shazam cast here. And also, I co-host a very popular horror movie podcast uh, with a very talented, intelligent, and handsome individual uh, called Saw Something Scary. And Sometimes yeah. I'm on that one, too. <laughs> You and this other guy and me. Yeah, let's talk about Jared Moore. Um, <laughs> and so you can uh, you can find Sauce of the Scary on all podcasting platforms, uh, including but not uh, limited. Yeah, thank you, man. I just <laughs> you need I more did, yellow. I did that. Uh, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn. I mean, we're everywhere. Yeah, anywhere you want to get your podcasts, and we would love to have you guys listen to that if you. If you enjoyed mine and Jeff's tete-a-tete here today, you get that every week on Saw Something Scary. We'd love to have you guys listen. Yeah, absolutely. So, guys, thank you for tuning into this episode. Thank you, Derek, for being on. Yeah, man. Uh, we, uh, we're probably going to be looking at this Jeff John Shazam uh, series that I've already kind of mentioned my take on uh, in the next episode. So check your uh, podcast feed, I guess is the right word mm-hmm. for that, uh, for the next episode. So uh, thanks again for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time on the Shazam Cast, Earth's Mightiest Captain Marvel podcast. Shazam! <laughs>